Welcome to the Primary Source Podcast. My name is Tom Bober, a school librarian in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. This podcast is here to explore the uses of primary sources in K-12 libraries and classrooms. We'll dig into resources and teaching strategies, talk to educators who are utilizing primary sources, and supporters of educators who curate these incredible items and use them in their work. I'm really excited about our interview today that I'm getting ready to share with you because it is with Mary Johnson, the manager of the Teaching with Primary Sources Teachers Network. And if you're not a teacher, if you're not an educator, hold on with me for just a moment because I think that really this network is growing into something that's really for all people, not just someone who is in a classroom or in a library. I first joined the TPS Teachers Network back in, oh my goodness, I think it was 2014, after attending a week-long Summer Teacher Institute at the Library of Congress, and I had joined and got notification about the TPS Teachers Network the following December. The first day I was on, I posted a question. I was looking for some primary sources, and the first person to respond to me was Mary. And we have been conversing ever since. I have the utmost admiration for her and the team that works with her. It is an amazing group. The reason that I say that people who are not educators should stick through this interview, if you're not a teacher, why might you want to go onto this network that has teachers in the name? And the biggest reason is if you are someone who is looking for primary sources, this is a great place to reach out and get some ideas when you're stuck. How do I find what I'm looking for if my initial searches are not yielding the results that I think that they should? Specifically, after we finished with the interview, I talked with Mary about some authors that I know may listen to this podcast. I know we've had the benefit of being able to talk to a lot of authors, and I think we've got a few who listen to this podcast as well. And I know that so many of them are often out there looking for their own primary sources as part of the research that they're doing for writing that they're working on. I also know that I've talked with some authors who on occasion run into situations where they're not exactly sure how to get the sources that they're looking for or what sources might be out there that are going to tell them more about the individual they're wanting to know more about or the moment they're wanting to know more about. And the TPS Teachers Network is a great place to go because it's a place where you can go in, ask a question, and you immediately have a group of individuals, mentors and others, Mary Johnson included, who are there to help you find what you're looking for, to point you in the right direction. And so while primarily there are educators that are asking those questions, this is morphing into something that anyone can come onto the TPS network and ask those types of questions. I think it's an incredible community. I really appreciate Mary taking the time to share a little bit of the background and the benefits of that community with us. And I really hope you enjoy this interview. We have Mary Johnson here with us from the TPS Teachers Network, and I've got to give you a little bit of background on Mary before we start talking to her. 
Mary has been involved with the Library of Congress since the year 2000. She started as part of the American Memory Fellowship Grant. She was also a statewide trainer in Colorado. She was consulting with the Teaching with Primary Sources in Colorado. She later expanded on to Teaching with Primary Sources the entire Western region, and then was named coordinator of the TPS, Teaching with Primary Sources Teachers Network, in 2012. And her title has just changed this past summer to TPS Teachers Network Manager. I feel like she is very slowly just taking over the world, like one state or region at a time. So we'll see what comes next. But I'm so happy to have you here with us, Mary, to share with us your expertise around the TPS Teachers Network. Thank you, Tom. It's it's lovely to be here. And I'm talking about something I'm passionate about. So we should be good. I think we're going to be great. <laughs> I love the TPS Teachers Network. I know that for people who are a regular listener to the podcast or see some of my other writing or work that I do, there's references to the TPS Teachers Network all over the place. And it has so much to offer those of us who are looking to connect around primary sources. So when you're with educators who are really brand new to the TPS Teachers Network, how do you describe it to them? You know, sometimes I compare the TPS Teachers Network to a, a, school, a school's teacher lounge because it's it's got all the friendly conversations going on in the teacher's lounge but in this case all the conversations are around teaching with primary sources so of course we know that some of the most important conversations take place in the hallways also and around the copy machine <laughs> or the coffee machine where you might bump into a colleague who's maybe a brand new teacher or a teacher from another team if you're in a middle school or uh, even a teacher from a different department or with a specialty like uh, English language learners or early elementary or you know, who knows, uh, even an administrator. Um, you'll also find librarians who are always ready to chat about what's going on in your classroom. Um, you may propose finding ways to work together with those teachers. Um, maybe you're just providing just-in-time resources, and that's a lot of what happens in the TPS Teachers Network. But again, the focus is always on finding ways to incorporate primary sources into learning activities, um, photographs, diaries, music, posters, historical documents, film, newspaper articles. I know your listeners all know what all of these primary sources are. Um, and you're looking for ways that engage and excite students of all ages. Uh, something's, something's obviously working right in the TPS Teachers Network because we're now approaching 12,000 members uh, after starting out with around 25 members in 2013. So That is grown. awesome. That is awesome. I, I love what you said about this kind of being the place where you can go and have conversations around working with primary sources because I think that's, for me, one of the real appeals is that you can reach out and start that conversation or get involved in that conversation around primary sources. And as you mentioned too, you don't have to be an expert. 
there's a lot of people in there that are looking for ideas and looking for um, help in getting started. And you can either pose those right in the network or you can dig into, a re in my mind, a ridiculous number of archives, archive discussions and links and all kinds of things that are in there. So I think it's such a powerful place to make those connections, just like you said. So you just mentioned 25 members in 2013. So that means that the TPS Teachers Network has been around for about eight years in its current form. And what was really that inspiration behind its formation? And how's that changed over the years? Well, over over 10 years ago now, the, the then Librarian of Congress began pushing for more nationwide outreach from the library. And one of the ideas at that time was to find ways to work with educators and, by extension, their students. Um, the Library of Congress already had an outstanding website called the Teachers Page and, and the beginnings of an excellent blog called Teaching with the Library of Congress. And they offered and still offer professional development to educators on site. And much of that PD has shifted now to online opportunities, not just because of the COVID pandemic, but because so much is online now and was before COVID. Um, they, also, um, <clears throat> they also brought in one or two teachers in residence every year. <laughs> and one of those was a St. Louis elementary librarian named Tom Bovers. I, I know recall. that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> You know, the main difference between the work of the, um, the Library of Congress, what they call the Professional Learning and Outreach Initiatives Office, or PLOI, and the, uh, they, they are part of the Center for Learning, Literacy, and Engagement at the Library of Congress. I still informally call it Ed Outreach. I've never gotten over that. Um, the difference between their work and the TPS Teachers Net Network really is the peer-to-peer -peer nature of the network. Um, we're basically just educators trying to help one another become better, stronger, more engaging teachers. So the, the culture of the network is both friendly and supportive. It's a culture of equality. And that's been the result of some real purposeful development over the years, partly due to a strong mentor program and a lot of modeling that we do in the network. So, and not to mention a number of tools that we've developed that support sharing of ideas and easy continuing conversations through the network. Uh, it, the, this network also benefits from the active support and participation of a, a real extensive and extended group of TPS grantees across the nation. Um, many of them members of the TPS consortium as we call it and that is constantly growing and evolving as new grantees come into the network and begin to share their grant work as well as just normal conversations with teachers. So they connect with teachers and it just grows from there. It has grown and you're so right about um, all of these different groups and individuals coming in together. I, I think that that has been one thing that is part of that evolution is you keep getting fresh ideas and fresh voices coming in over time. But I'd love to ask you a little bit about this, the groups feature, because to me, this is kind of a unique aspect to the online community. So unlike um, 
Twitter, for example, where I also spend some professional time, I'm usually just there in whatever group I kind of form around me, my professional learning network. But on the TPS Teachers Network, there are these unique groups that are tied to either a geographic group or a certain idea. Um, I, th I feel like at a point, like if that had not been done well, it, it could splinter the users. But that doesn't seem to be the case, at least from my experience. So to me, it offers an opportunity to have even more to have closer contact, more uh, pointed discussions and sharing. And so I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on the TPS Teachers Network groups and how you see them being used? Well, it is set up on a group model and we have about, I think around 80 public groups in the TPS Teachers Network. I'd say that most of the activity happens in about 20 to 25 of those groups. Groups come and go depending on their use um, and their lifetime of usefulness. Some are tied to grade levels or specialties like uh, a group in primary sources in elementary education, for example. Or, and another one for early childhood would be grade level specific examples. Whereas primary sources in the school library, teaching English language learners, a group called culturally relevant pedagogy, those appeal to particular specialties. And then there are some that are totally curriculum focused, such as a, a civil rights group, say, or a very active arts and primary sources group. We have an English language arts group, STEM, and so many more. And some of those groups are created upon request of TPS consortium members. They might be private groups, they might be public groups designed to support whatever PD is going on. So that's depending on who requests a group, uh, that we create a group in the, in the TPS Teachers Network. Um, by the way, we have a group in the works right now that I'm quite excited about. It's not been made public yet, but it's going to be called Teaching Native American History. And thanks to an advisory group of Native Americans and other experts from from Rhode Island to Alaska, <laughs> with whom we've been working over the past several months. We're almost ready to make it public, and I can't wait to see that group fill up with teaching ideas, resources, once everybody in the network discovers it. So it's a constantly changing group model, uh, and some groups don't last too long. Some groups are very specific to a one-week workshop or a three-day workshop. But the, the general public groups go on and on. And there is one public group called the TPS Commons to which ev everybody belongs. So if you worry about splintering, you don't have to. You can always post in the TPS Commons. Let me ask you a question, too. And I, I don't think this has ever been um, state. I think this is probably fairly obvious, but I also think it's worth sharing or actually stating. If you are, for example, you mentioned the group that I'm in a fair amount, which is primary sources in the school library, you don't have to be a librarian to join that group. You just have to be interested in maybe issues around librarianship and, and primary sources, and you can join that group and discuss and share and browse. Absolutely. Any public group, and most are public, um, you're free to join. And you can read everything that happens in those groups, uh, whether you're a member of each separate group or not. You just have to join a group in order to comment or to add a post to that group. So, and who wouldn't want to hang out with librarians? 
I love hanging out with librarians. <laughs> Absolutely. As much as I can. Um, I, I think as much as I love the groups, there's so many other unique features and elements within the network that I love. And I always call it the network. I know we're supposed to call it the teaching with primary sources network or the TPS teachers network. I always call it the network, just like I always call the Library of Congress the library. It just seems to work for <laughs> That's me. That's right. <laughs> but I'm wondering within the network or the TPS Teachers Network, if there's a, a favorite feature that you have. Oh, I would say that one of the tools we've developed extensively over the years and put a lot of resources into developing is the album tool. Um, anyone in the TPS Teachers Network who wants to collect and curate his or her own set or own album, we call it, of primary sources can do that right in the network. One unique feature of our album tool is that you can bring together primary sources and secondary sources from both the library, the library <laughs> of Congress, and beyond. So it's highly practical for the classroom. And sometimes something that we always um, think appeals to librarians is that when you import, say, I'll give an example, say a Matthew Brady Civil War photo into an album from the Library of Congress, that album tool, the term we use is not very official, I don't think, but it scrapes the entire bibliographic record from the Library of Congress and plops it right there into your album. So you not only get the picture, but you get all of the accompanying bibliographic data. So that's another nice feature of the album. Um, and uh, also the albums allow teaching ideas. So you, there's a notes field and you can add your own teaching ideas to every item in an album, as well as an overall album description. So that's pretty convenient too and very effective uh, for, for doing your thinking and planning and questioning in a safe place. And I know the network is behind a password, but the album tool does also have one option that I love that allows you to export your primary source set to other social media spaces. So you can export to Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest. And when you choose that option, um, it, it strips out what we call PII. Some of your listeners may be familiar with that term, but personally identifiable information to protect your privacy. So your name doesn't go to the outside, but all your work goes to the outside. And you can, you can show these albums to students in classes. You can share them through emails. You can put them into your own professional development efforts and so on. So it's, pretty, it's a pretty handy, pretty in-depth kind of tool that I love in the network. I should, I should mention that I am not the one who develops all this. <laughs> that the, the TPS Teachers Network is actually funded by a grant. So it's actually funded through a grant from the Library of Congress. And we have a very small but incredibly talented staff to administer and carry out the grant. And they are at Metropolitan State University of Denver, right up the road from me. I live in Colorado Springs. And it's a small staff, and we meet regularly, and we have one programmer, one developer, uh, and they're an incredibly talented staff. Also, we work under the direction of Vivian Awumi at the Library of Congress, who is the TPS program manager there at the, at the library's uh, ed outreach. 
department. <laughs> as as far as I'm concerned, this is like an all-star team given what you all do. And I'm so glad you mentioned this this album feature because it's making me think of a few things. Number one, when I do my picture book and primary sources blog posts, nine times out of 10, that there's an album that accompanies that and that's where it's created. And that TPS Teachers Network, so easy to use, so easy to bring in all kinds of resources. And it makes it look not only really nice that you can so you can share it with colleagues and students, but that digital PDF contains all the links then that jump mm -hmm. out to the Library of Congress or where, wherever it is that you got your source so that students or, or colleagues or whoever or you could go back and, and access those albums. I just think it's incredible. The other thing I'm reminded of as you're mentioning this amazing team is as the album has rolled out and has evolved, because it hasn't been there all eight years that the TPS Teachers Network has been around. I, I don't know how check that honestly it's such a big part of my life I guess there maybe was a time when we didn't have an album I think you're right and that there was yeah. it was uh Peggy O'Neill Jones is the the director of the TPS Western Region program which is is it is Peggy and her staff um behind this this TPS Teachers Network and it, I think it was originally her idea to develop an album it's it's amazing, and but when I found when when things have been updated, and I would consider myself a heavy user of the album feature yes. on the TPS Teachers Network, every once in a while I'll find a little hiccup after an update or a little glitch, and the team that you're mentioning is so amazingly responsive in addressing it, which for me as a user of the network makes it a, a great experience because I know that they're working to focus on my needs as an educator and coming into that network and using it just in a way that makes the most sense and feels so fluid. They're really keeping, in my mind, and I'm, you know this better than I do because I'm sure you're part of all kinds of great conversations around this, but they really keep the users, I think, at the forefront of their decision-making process about how the network evolves over time. Right, I couldn't agree more. And I would say that uh, I would probably add that another feature, I guess you'd call it a feature of the TPS Teachers Network that we cannot undersell, <laughs> oversell, I'm not sure which it is, a really important part of the success of the TPS Teachers Network is a, a small group, relatively small group of about a dozen TPS Teachers Network mentors and you have been one of those mentors over the years. And because of their involvement in the network, um, they are constantly in there. There are people like your listeners. There are people uh, across the nation who have trained as and are now truly experts in the TPS Teachers Network. And they willingly share materials that they find and teaching strategies that they have used in their settings and it is their work that really keeps the network fresh, even though we depend heavily on our users to do that. A lot of teachers are incredibly busy, as you know, and these mentors are truly dedicated to the success of the network. So I, I, cannot, I, I cannot say enough about the importance of that group of mentors in the, in the network. 
Yeah, I would agree. It's a great group and really just great people that are in that group. You, As you mentioned, they're people who just really care about finding interesting and unique ways to use primary sources and finding really great items as well to share with people. So there's okay. across the board just wonderful things going on. So this really leads me to, I think, my next question. Are there some ways that you've seen members of the TPS Teachers Network use this digital space, use that online space in ways that were ple maybe pleasant surprises for you in ways that you didn't anticipate? Uh, you know, this isn't really a surprise because I'm a librarian through and through, but I have to say that every time I see any network user add a fabulous resource or a spot-on teaching idea to extend a simple post in the network, I get a little thrill. It, it sort of goes to show that when you give as much as you get from a network like this, you'll just keep coming back. And it's so motivating to feel appreciated when you post something and to know that you're making a difference in a busy teacher's life. We know that the resources of the Library of Congress are beyond amazing. But finding that perfect resource for the moment and sharing a remarkable teaching strategy or even a personal story, well, there's just nothing better. So I wouldn't say a surprise, but that is, that is, I believe, what keeps this network running and growing. And it's that response, that constant response to immediate needs of teachers that, you know, you know that thrill when you're a librarian, how yes. you reach you reach somebody at the perfect moment with the perfect resource. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, it does make all the difference. And I, I want to, to you, we keep t calling this as, as its name, the TPS teachers network. I know that, that you and others have really been thinking about that term teachers even more broadly, like who are the people who are coming into this network? And yes, many of them are, K through 12 or um, upper education teachers, but, but it could also be other individuals who are in some way charged with sharing information and, and looking at history in different ways, kind of beyond the, the traditional quote unquote teacher that, that maybe we instantly think of when we hear that word. And, and I think that um, we, we have questioned at times whether it should be called a teacher's network because of that, exactly. You know, we have a number of um, museum educators and archivists in the TPS Teachers Network, for example. And we have people with specialties that are, that are quite amazing that you wouldn't normally necessarily think of being in the TPS Teachers Network. So we have administrators and uh, probably about 40% of our members are librarians, and librarians are in all sorts of different situations. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, many, many teachers, but also many administrators and uh, university-level people and a number of pre-service teachers, a really large number of pre-service teachers who come in through various TPS grants that uh, are for teacher educators. So we're always working with teacher educators at the university level as well. At historians, we have really specialists kind of across the board. And the TPS consortium program is changing all the time. And in its next iteration, the next round of grants, which are going to be starting to be distributed in October, um, 
those grants have been open to a broader audience, a broader audience of community, uh, community organizations, even public libraries, uh, child care centers, uh, community social organizations, and so on. So uh, I think the network is going to be expanding to reach the needs of a wider range of uh, members. Well, I love this idea that even more people are going to need not only the resources that the TPS Teachers Network highlights, but also all of the people collectively that highlight them within the network itself. And I think that is a true testament to what a great group that it is. So Mary Johnson, I want to thank you so much for joining us for some time today to share all of your expertise and your knowledge around the TPS Teachers Network. Thanks for joining us on the Primary Source Podcast. Thank you for inviting me.